Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. Potter Gaff and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to Prem Talk, the latest episode here on the Matchday FM podcast. I'm Chris Stott and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin for this episode. And before bringing um, my good friend Chris, I'll quickly rattle through the results from the last match week which began in extraordinary circumstances didn't it Chelsea 2 West Brom 5 yes you heard that right 5 for West Brom I still can't quite believe it even now and then Leeds followed up with a 2-1 win against the bottom club Sheffield United Leicester lost by two goals to nil to Manchester City who are just a couple of wins away from sealing the title now Liverpool Good win for them away at Arsenal, three goals to nil. Sunday saw Southampton complete a comeback from two goals down to beat Burnley 3-2. Newcastle, was it a point gained for them? A point dropped for Spurs, finishing 2-2 up at St. James's. Aston Villa scored three late goals to condemn Fulham to a 3-1 defeat and sort of derail slightly their ambitions of getting out of the bottom three. Manchester United came from behind to beat Brighton 2-1. And then Monday saw Everton and Crystal Palace share the points 1-1 at Goodison. And a brilliant first half from West Ham and Jesse Lingard saw them win 3-2 at Wolves. So, Chris, um, a lot of those results had a big bearing on the race for the Champions League as much as anything because um, we've spoken a lot about the relegation battle in, in recent weeks and ultimately not, not much really changed um, in in that area of the table. But right near the top, in the top four places, it changed quite significantly, mainly because that defeat for Chelsea just came absolutely out of nowhere. They go 1-0 up, Silva gets himself sent off, and then he just, for want of a better phrase, they collapsed, didn't they? The the craziest thing about that, I thought, was even before Silver's red card, I felt like that was probably the shakiest we've seen Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel. Um, I thought West Brom, they, they, they went for it early on. It was uh, pressure that invited the first yellow card from Silver and then Pulisic obviously put Chelsea in front with, with the follow-on from the free kick. But then after the red card, I mean, it was one of them. When when the ball went, originally, believe it or not, I, without seeing the replays, I was like, mm, okay, just because the ball had gone. When you see it back, it, it's it's horrendous, it's horrendous from the one of the most experienced players in the Premier League. Really, it, it was awful. But I I was surprised that he was starting. To be honest with you, considering he, he's been out, and I thought it was a way they should have eased him back into it instead of throwing him straight in. I know they had the Champions League in, in the week. But nevertheless, I thought it was a strange, strange decision to even start him. And then after that, how many teams do we see not make the most of a man invited in that situation where admittedly the team with 10 men are still the better team? But 
West Brom were absolutely brilliant. I, there was a stat that I saw that was the first time since Sam Allardyce's first ever Premier League away game that a Sam Allardyce team has scored five goals away from home. <laughs> wow. In, first, in uh, 2000 and 2001, which is just absolutely Blimey. ridiculous, isn't it? I know. That's but, crazy. You know, full, full credit to them. Uh, Mateus Pereira was magnificent. Callum Robinson, well, five goals in three games against Chelsea, none in 39 against anyone else. <laughs> Which is just that, that's that one is, of the stats that's of, the of the season. Stats of the season yeah, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Diania, look, he, he, again, goals for him against Manchester United and Chelsea. Um, I thought it was always a bit strange that Galatasaray seemed so desperate to get rid of him when he was always scoring goals for them. Um, but what you know, how much it helps West Brom, I'm not entirely sure, but it's certainly a blow to Chelsea in that. They they might have thought of themselves on a good roll. They had they'd only exceeded two goals in fourteen games to two goals and go exceed five and one. So it really has drawn them back into a really exciting chasing group. I think the big thing for me is obviously usually when you go down to ten men and you're leading by a goal to nil, you you change your sort of mindset and approach, don't you? You usually go yeah. and think. Let's protect what we have. And, you know, how many sides do we see go down to 10 men and still win the game because they're resolute defensively? That That's just not a phrase you could use about Chelsea in this game, is it at all? Resolute. <laughs> Absolute car crash. To be honest with you, like, defensively, it was, it was just ridiculous. Reese James, in particular, he, he, he got a bit of flack. Um from from pundits, from media, um, obviously some rather unsavoury um, criticism as well, which you, there's just no place for in the game. We see it far too often now um, for we, weeks on end. It's just absolutely ridiculous what we're seeing on social media. Um, and overall, the defence from Chelsea, well, it's just so uncharacteristic for what we've seen in the last few months. And I can't really put my finger on it. I thought it was strange for him to rest both Christensen and Rudiger. Rudiger made sense because I think Rudiger had played every minute for Germany over the international break. Christensen, he'd only played uh, one or two games for, for Denmark. So I don't I didn't understand him uh, not playing. And it was just, just a lack of organisation. They were leaving men free. Even the, the goal at the end, the, the praying for him to be offside, he never was, even though I did think that, that was going to be one where the, the geometry comes uh, comes into it again. But they just seemed, I don't know, almost thinking that West Brom wouldn't go for it, to be honest with you. I mean, even even the first goal, Johnston getting an assist, ultimate route one, a lovely finish from Pereira, but... I think Chelsea's almost Chelsea's attitude and they went down to 10 men, as you say, was ah, West Brom, then they're not going to harm us really, but how wrong they were. Yeah, they couldn't have been uh, much more wrong, could they? And it's, it's like you said, it's opened it up um, and partly coupled now with, um, with West Ham's resurgence again. Uh, great performance from them. Jesse Lingard has been an absolute revelation, hasn't he, for them? And, you know, the the goal he scored, but probably I know for a fact we're going to talk about it later on when we come to the awards because the, it's, it's an unbelievable goal. And 
when you've got players like that in, in that form and West Ham as a whole, as a collective, are in the form they are, you, you've got to say they are absolute 100% contenders to get in that top four. You want to throw a spoiler alert in there, man. Come on. You've got to keep people <laughs> guessing. No. What? Why is Jesse Lingard now Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldinho and Maradona all rolled into one? It was more like George Best, that goal. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, I suppose that's what confidence can do for a guy, isn't it? He, he's playing for a manager now that does believe in him. I don't know what... Solskjaer's thoughts are long-term with Jesse Lingard, but David Moyes, look, you, you can bet your bottom dollar he'll be looking to get Jesse Lingard on a permanent in the summer. Um, whether that, you know, we, how many players do we see have a brilliant loan spell and then go permanent, then it all kind of goes down the drain for them. We'll wait and see, obviously, that for that on Jesse Lingard. But even the second goal, channeling is in a Berbatov to, to set the ball for Masuaku to cross it. The confidence of the man is absolutely ridiculous. And that win, at one point, it looked very similar to what was going to happen against Arsenal, losing the three-goal lead. But that win, for, for West Ham's squad, for West Ham fans, that will certainly give them belief that they can finish in the top four without Declan Rice, because that's a huge blow. Potentially out for the rest of the season, there's, there's, because we knew he was going to miss the Wolves game earlier on in the day, that, that news broke. But then there's rumours going around that he's focused on making the Euros. I mean, that's a blow for England and for West Ham, certainly to miss him for the rest of the season. But it, it provided, for me, belief with West Ham that they believe they you know they can go on without um, Declan Rice. I mean, Mark Noble, he, Declan Rice is a better player than Mark Noble, certainly now. But you, you can't have much more experience than Mark Noble, really, can you, in, in, the, in this kind of scenario? And... Their attacking threat is very exciting. It is a blow, of course, Antonio. When you've only got one striker, this is the kind of issues that can crop up, especially with somebody who is so injury-prone, isn't he? And then Jared Bowen comes on, scores within a few minutes. Uh, Fornals coming back, getting a goal. So, I mean, for you, is this probably the best attacking depth the West Ham have? I know I just said they've only got one striker, but when you look at overall... And even Ben Rama, he's not, he hasn't scored for West Ham yet, but West Ham fans do like what he brings to the party in terms of his unpredictability. Yeah, and, and when you think they've... Um, I don't know if he, if he's fit or, or not at the minute, but Yarmolenko on his day is a real handful. Um, you know, they, they they have options up there, don't they? And yeah. he said there is... They're as exciting to watch as anybody because if you think just literally you just popped into my head, they've had a 3 3 against Spurs, but they've come from 3 0 down, scored three against Arsenal, and it was the other way around, scored three against Wolves. And we know how hard it is to score against Wolves, but they t- tore them apart. You know, this is a side that fancies scoring against anybody. They gave Manchester City a right good go a few weeks back as well. So you mentioned the word that, confidence with Lingard. It's, it's going right through the team, isn't it? And I know they were, I know they were missing Lingard for the Maniac game, but that's what makes it more confusing. Like the, the game against Liverpool at the London Stadium and the game against Manchester United at Old Trafford, that's what confuses me because certainly that Liverpool game, you could have made a case for West Ham being favoured to go into that game. And at no point then... In that game, did I feel like they almost had the belief that they were going to beat Liverpool? This was a Liverpool team that were on the ropes at the time. Um, and arguably, you know, you, you are now as well, but we'll come on to that. 
Um, and the Man United one, again, I know they were missing Lingard, but that was, again, just as bland as you want. And that's what Moyes has kind of got to shake in terms of if he is going to get into the top four with West Ham, he can't have that attitude on too many occasions because he, with with eight games to go, I don't think it'll be drawn to it in terms of do you expect a top four finish now? At the end of the day, they are fourth. They're only three points off Leicester. <laughs> what, a, well, what, what a game that is in prospect, by the way, coming up. Um, but... We, how long do we? How often do we talk about West Ham at the start of the season? I mean, just how much they're going to flat to deceive again, blah blah blah. But this is a real, real opportunity. And if they get top four, with with all due respect, Craig Dawson and the likes, uh, you know, Craig Dawson, you know, with all due respect, Jesse Lingard, because I'm coming in load having not played a minute, like Sir Jared Bowen, who was a Championship player not that long ago. If he gets in the top four, is he? Favorite for manager of the season? I don't think there's a, another candidate, to be honest. Really, it, is it, it? It's a bit wild to. It, I'm just trying to process the actual possibility of West Ham finishing the top four, but it, it'd be that ridiculous an achievement, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think you, right now. I don't think you can make a, a stronger case for anybody. Obviously, you, you'd say Pep um, for for winning the title, but other than. Other than that, I think, yeah, you'd have Bruce to say... outside the relegation zone. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be Scott Parker, potentially, if he, if he kept Fulham up. But it's sort of if, buts, and maybes. I think even if West Ham finished fifth, sixth, then I think Moyes is a, is a very strong shout indeed for, for that accolade. A um, couple more of the challenges. Um, go to Spurs now. Uh, they drew 2-2 against Newcastle. Um, you've just rolled your eyes at, at that one. Um, oh. I mean, anybody who concedes two goals against Newcastle can't have done much right defensively, really. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean that in Joel the Linton. nicest po- possible. Yeah, and Julian as as well. And I, I thought Newcastle did okay in the game, but Spurs, Spurs were just not at it. And it's so frustrating with Spurs, isn't it? When we know how much attacking prowess they have. We know how good they can be. You know, this is a team that's been to Old Trafford and won six one. Why on earth are they at the minute the outsiders to get in in, in the top four, really? Because everybody's just expecting them not to. As well, it, it's these kind of results, isn't it? The fuel that add fuel to the fire about Kane having to make this big decision over his future, isn't it? Because he, again, he drags Tottenham in front. To, you know, first goal was fortuitous. Second goal, the second it kind of pops up, you're just waiting for him to bury it. And again, it it's not his... I, I, I don't hold any blame against Kane for missing the opportunity just prior to Joe Willock's goal because Lamella makes a horrendous decision. Lamella's got Son and Kane either side of him. And... He then decides to cut back and give it to Kane instead of just giving it to Son in his in his flow. And Kane obviously gets to the outside of the post. Newcastle go up the other end and equalise. And it's just results like this against a Newcastle team that in that game against Brighton um, before the international break, has there been a game since Brighton got promoted to the Premier League that you have been as confident as them winning as that? Probably not now, and that 
with all due respect to Brighton, that shows Newcastle, doesn't it? That that shows that you don't expect them to do anything. You don't expect them to score goals. I think Joel Linton, two of his four Newcastle Premier League goals have been against Tottenham. One of them was a winner. At, um, one of them was a winner last season, and obviously the the goal of the weekend. Again, he is, if I want the better word, awful. He's, he's probably going to be, um, you know, if you was to make a list of the all-time worst Premier League strikers, he'd he'd be in the convers in he'd be in the conversation for sure, wouldn't he? Really, he's got he's got four goals in sixty-two games as a striker for forty and he million cost, pounds. Yeah, it was forty million quid. Could have had me for yeah. forty quid. <laughs> Bargain. You're already selling <laughs> yourself there, man. I'd have probably got so amount of goals. Yeah, so amount of goals and everything. But uh, yeah, for for Spurs, you said you said at the top there, drop um, points dropped. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Because now they go into a game against Man United, where it's it's approaching must win territory. We're coming this you know um, this late into the season, and again you know the whole debacle about Dinamo Zagreb as well. They've lost one route into the Champions League. They might well have been banking on that, to be honest with you. But now there's so much pressure. Because Leicester aren't entirely out of danger. I think I think Man United, the, the, the top two will be the top two. I think United have good as secured it with that comeback win because I think yeah. you know base, basic massive I've just got the table up here you know you see I mean, that... it, 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 it helps when uh, penalties don't get given for clear drag backs inside the there is area. that there is that um, <laughs> that he what nine points clear of, of Chelsea with eight games to go so worst case scenario Man United need to win five of those games to... that, that'll be fine That'll be absolutely fine. And when you think, you know, quite a, quite a few of the chasing pack have got to play each other in, in coming weeks. So United have, are as good as secured. You say you say Leicester again. They're in the position where what they're four five clear of Chelsea. So they would you would probably say six out of eight would probably be enough for them. You know, but then you look at. At Liverpool, who I, you know, I said Spurs were probably the out- outsiders, probably because of form as much as anything. But Liverpool at the minute are the side furthest back because of goal difference. But that performance against Arsenal, without dwelling on the game that came after it in in Madrid, what we saw against Arsenal was more, much more like it from Liverpool, and that's the sort of performance they need to put in for the, these eight games is there to make up the ground on West Ham. I have to say at half time yesterday I, I, I was wondering oh, yeah at half time yesterday I was wondering whether it was uh, Liverpool being good or Arsenal being bad to be honest with you and uh, it, it, you know, that that might well have been um, a factor absolutely but end of the day Arsenal no matter how bad they were Liverpool had to take advantage they were dominant even before Diogo Jota's introduction but that that was the deciding factor. A brilliant header. Reminds me, he does remind me of Tim Cahill in terms of a bit, bit of a you know, smaller stature, but how well he rises to, to head the ball. It, it's a very good talent. Osala finishing clinically. Uh, and then Jota getting a second. It, it was the most complete performance for a while, I thought, from, from Liverpool. 
against or at a, at a stadium where they haven't been overly successful down the years, it has to be said as well. They, they were handed some gifts, but you have to make the most of the gifts. And I just hope that it provides the whole squad with a bit of confidence, to be honest with you, because they, they didn't they didn't do themselves justice in Madrid. Absolutely not. Um, there were a few, I mean, a few wrong decisions there with regarding to team selection, like Naby Keita should never have started, how long he's been out for, should have been eased back in. Um, but if you're looking at the Premier League, I mean, what I will say, if you're looking at the teams up there, because I just looked at Leicester's actually, their final three games are Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham, mm. which is tasty if they aren't already secure of the top four. Liverpool's running is Aston Villa... Then Leeds, uh, I was going to say at Anfield, but then <laughs> can we just play Budapest, please? Yeah. Um, uh, Aston Villa at Anfield, Leeds at Ellen Road, Newcastle at Anfield, Man United at Old Trafford, uh, Southampton uh, at Anfield, West Brom at the Hawthorns, Burnley at Turf Moor, and Crystal Palace at Anfield. The final two, obviously, likely to have fans. That is probably the best run in of anyone around the top four, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And if they are going to finish in the top four and salvage this wreckage of a season by Liverpool standards, that running is what they're relying on. You're listening to Matchday FM. Is this where one of the differential penalties come in now? Just pushing out a scrum or something. What the bloody hell is a differential penalty? <laughs> exactly. yeah. Look ahead now to, to the games that are coming up um, for these sides that we've mentioned. Um, you know, Liverpool are at home to Aston Villa and it is the home form of late that has derailed them. And Aston Villa are a side who, um, you know, they're not a million miles off the pace themselves. They're uh, five behind Liverpool with a game in hand, very much in Europa League. Um, Hunt really, you know, I, I don't think they'll, they'll claw enough back to get in top four races. Just looking at Everton are still very much in it, even though they did drop those points against Palace, but it's a tough game this for Liverpool, whether it's home or away, and given the home form, it's a massive, massive game for Liverpool, isn't it? And there'll be a, a perfectly timed return from Mr Jack Real. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course there will. Um, first of all, is revenge on the cards? Because I mean, I kind of zoned out Back in back in September, to be honest with you, certainly when the sixth went in, I zoned out. But then even that, it's well acknowledged. It's well acknowledged that could have been that could have been ten that day, easily could have been ten. Yeah. Um, and that that is something first and foremost Liverpool want to sort out and almost get their pride back. To be honest with you, against Aston Villa, I tell you, you one player, one player that I feel has been getting away with quite a fair bit because we talk about Firmino and Jota. I feel Mane's been getting away with a bit, to be honest with you. Because certainly, I think 14 big chances he's missed. And when he is good, he is very, very good. But I just feel he's been getting away with it a bit at the moment, just because I don't know if there is a suitable replacement that can provide his quality. I think I think you can throw Shakiri or Jones in there, but are they going to provide as much as Mane? Yeah, they're, they're not quite the same player. Mane's very much tricky sort of winger stroke striker, isn't it? Whereas, you know, you see Shakiri likes dropping into more pockets now, doesn't he? And he's not electric. Um, neither is Curtis Jones. 
they're sort of different types of wide players, aren't they? And yeah, that, I feel like Mane's just, he hasn't been sticking away the chances he should should be doing that. That's probably a theme that can go right through that Liverpool side um, in a lot of games um, this season. But Salah's stuck a couple in lately. Um, Jota got the one, couple against Arsenal, didn't say a lot of onus now on Mane to rediscover that form. Yeah, if, if they are going to keep it a front three, but I don't know whether Klopp just goes for the front four because he's got them all available now. It, went, it worked well against City. Firmino can obviously drop back into the midfield when out of possession. And I wonder, because Liverpool now can't afford any more slip-ups, like the, the, game, the games this weekend will come onto them, but there's, there's games where teams playing against each other in and around the top four. Like, so we've mentioned Spurs against Man United. You've got uh, West Ham, Leicester as well. And Everton going to Brighton. And we know how Brighton can play. So it is going to be a very, very interesting game for Liverpool. And one that they really can't afford to slip up in. Yeah, you would probably say that their game with, with Villa and then Spurs United and the West Ham Leicester games are the ones that are the most crucial. Um, reflecting a little bit on Spurs United, you mentioned the revenge for uh, for Liverpool against Aston Villa. Obviously, it's that happened on the same day of the of the six one. I thought I was going to have something to laugh about. <laughs> and then two hours later, yeah, I mean, opposite for me, I was thinking, oh god, this is go- this is going to be an awful day. And then he just got balanced out a little bit somehow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it before. I, you know, Spurs have been able to put on a result like that. Um, you know, it's a massive game for them. Like I say, a massive game for both West Ham and Leicester. Chelsea are very much in need of a response against Crystal Palace. We've touched on Liverpool needing to address that home form against a good Villa side. Just who is this round of fixtures the biggest for in terms of this top four race? Is it a case of like, for example, if United win, are they basically assured? Do Spurs have to win to keep themselves in it? Same for Liverpool. And a West Ham win against Leicester could be huge for them as well, couldn't it? That is a very good question. That is a very good question. <laughs> and my brain is now trying to scramble together an answer. Um, I, I think for Spurs, they run the risk of the wheels completely coming off if they don't get their act together soon because they've got the Carabao Cup final coming up as well. They don't want to go into that thinking they're just lambs to the slaughter which is what some people might well think going into it. They need to you know, they need to get their act together. They've got, obviously, Man United, then Everton. So two games against teams that are going for the top four as well in very quick succession. And then aside from Liverpool, Spurs probably have the best running. Southampton, Sheffield United, Leeds, Wolves and Aston Villa ahead of Leicester on the final day. I mean, that game against Leicester on the final day, could Leicester be involved in another final day shootout for the top four? It shouldn't be. Really, should they? You know, they, should, they shouldn't be. They put themselves when... in a good position again, haven't they? And, yeah. but, I mean, you know, they're going into the game off the back of a defeat to Manchester City, but everybody gets beat by Manchester City these yeah, there's, days. There's, there's no great. 
So yeah, we couldn't read too race. much into that. We'll probably get a better idea of their top four credentials when they take yeah. on West Ham. Do you ever see some stats? Do you ever see a stat and think, nah, that, that, that's not real? And then you check it out and you're like, wow. Because Jamie Vardy has scored six goals from open play in the Premier League this season. That's the same as Iheanacho. Wow. That, 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 that is, yeah. when you look at it like that, it, it, it's strange, isn't it? And if you think Ian Atchell's six has probably come in the last six weeks. Yeah. It, 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 it makes I, it, it's just making me I... think where the goals come from then for Leicester. Yeah. It's got to show how good Harvey Barnes, for example, had, had been for them. And obviously, he, he got injured. Um, you know, Tielemans from midfielders has scored a few as well. The thing that confused me the most of the weekend, though, Madison coming back, but then to take Ian Atchell off for him. That that was mm. that 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 confused me the most, given the form of Ianacho, the fact that Jose Perez stayed on the pitch. That 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 was a bit mind-boggling, to be honest with you. But it was just one of those stats that made me think: Are they are they definitely certain? Because the form West Ham are in, as you say, everyone loses to Man City for in, term, in terms of Leicester. But Leicester going to West Ham, who are so confident right now, that gap can close to one. And all of a sudden, if other results go against them, Leicester are right back in terms of actually scrapping for it again. And they can't, they, they really, you know, they should have made the top four last year. There's no debate. They should have made the top four. But imagine, because this would be a bottle job. Imagine bottling the top four two years in a row from brilliant positions when you've got, you know, Vardy, we mentioned him. He's not getting any younger. My issue with Leicester is when they move on from Vardy, He's, a, he's such a specific kind of player, isn't he? You need a very specific kind of player to follow on from that. Um, and he is someone that they really will need to step up in the final few final few weeks of the season and can't just rely on penalties from him. They'll need open play goals from Jamie Vardy as, uh, as they look to really secure that top four place. Well, with eight games to go, I'm going to get you to... Uh... You know what I'm going to ask you? I'm going to rule my head. Uh, who, who's going to be assuming that it is the two Manchester clubs who are going to be the two that make it if you were to have to pick two now which you're going to have to which two do you think are, are going to go because you, you've seen seen yeah. the run-ins you know the form where are you going to stick them I think Chelsea will get their act together I think they will this the game against Porto uh, which is going on right now, and the game at the weekend against Crystal Palace, who don't score a lot of goals, that will prove to us how much of a blip that was against West Brom. Um, so I, I do think that we'll get their act together, just because Tuchel has such a good thing going, and I think he can reignite it. I want, the, I want, I want that. You know, you know who I want to say, but I don't want to be accused of bias. Ah. Uh... I think that this changes this changes like on a weekly basis, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to be biased. Let's just Go do it. it. I'm going to be biased. <laughs> Fourth on goal difference. Let's take it, Liverpool. Come on. They would take they would take that now. For I'll what take it, fourth on goal yeah. difference all day of the week. For what it's worth, I think Leicester should just about do it. And then that game against West Ham is, is gigantic. Yeah. 
I think Absolutely the win- honestly, it could be a case of the winner of that one is in pole position, even though Leicester will still be just ahead. And then would getting would getting to the FA Cup final be a bad thing for Leicester? Yeah, it's you never want to lose a semi final, but at the same time I mean you've got such focus on a final. Thing is, though, at least it's Southampton. I mean, again, in the nicest possible way, they would. Joey, if you're listening, fast yeah, forward a bit. They would much rather be playing Southampton for a chance to get into a final than the other two, because. Oh yeah. Oh, because yeah. it won't. You know, if they turn up and are at the best, both sides play at the the best. Leicester win the game because they're a better team. We know that, so that might not take as much out of them potentially it will be interesting to see but if they were to lose to Southampton because it was such a great opportunity that could knock them for six I think yeah. if anything they do need to reach the cup final because it will keep a momentum and a confidence going so yeah big couple of weeks for them and if I was I, honestly I think it would be Leicester and Chelsea and I think and to be honest, I think Spurs are going to miss out on the top six. I think Liverpool will get sixth or fifth. West Ham, the other ones. But it's going to be an amazing uh, final run into the end of the season in terms of the race for the Champions League anyway. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. One of the big news stories from this week, Kevin De Bruyne signing a new deal at Manchester City, keeping him at the Etihad till 2025. And I managed to find, find a tweet a bit earlier that has uh, listed De Bruyne's Manchester City career so far. I'm just going to read it to you. 255 games, 65 goals, 105 assists, two Premier Leagues, four League Cups, an FA Cup. He's probably going to add at least one more to that each of them, Community Shields, PFA Player of the Year, two times Premier League Playmaker Awards, a Premier League Player of the the Year, three times Manchester City Player of the Year, and he's tied the Premier League single-season assist record. You finished? He's just unbelievable. What a player. How highly do you you rate De Bruyne? One One of the greats, man. One of the greats. Uh, the the old the clip got brought up again on social media this week about uh, Paul Merson and uh, and uh, Tomo saying about how De Bruyne probably would wouldn't uh, yeah we hadn't made it at Chelsea did well in the Bundesliga but they weren't uh, overly impressed with uh, Manchester City's acquisition. Oof, he's a joke. He's a joke. He, he's twenty nine now. You know, obviously that that deal takes him to twenty twenty five and. The man can. There's not a lot that he can't do with a football, really. Whenever he he crosses the ball, there was an assist he got last season when City won at Villa Park for Jesus, and he was on the right wing, and he crosses it as if he is shooting. That's what impresses me so much about him. His his crossing has such ferocity on it, and then Jesus finishes it well, but. The way he controls games, because th- those stats you were saying there, goals and assists, the amount of assists to assists as well, that, that's a stat that, you know, like um, in, in the Dortmund game, his assist 
to the well, his assist to Gundawan's assist for Phil Foden, his range of passing. Jimmy Redknapp said um, he's, he's the best passer of a ball he's ever seen in the Premier League. He's certainly, certainly up there. He, he is one of the best. I think I'd put Steven Gerrard and Paul Scholes in with, um, with Kevin De Bruyne in terms of his passing range, but he is just ridiculous. I mean, he, with both feet as well. That's the thing <laughs> with both feet. He is such such special player and just a joy just a joy to watch I think that there's you put aside rivalries and there's some players that you just you're just in awe of to be honest with you and he, he certainly is one of them Kevin De Bruyne yeah 100% he, you know he, as a Man United fan knowing he plays for City is truly awful because for me I don't think you know, outside of your Messi's, Ronaldo, and Bappe, I then think you probably stick to Kevin De Bruyne. He's, he's the best midfield for me. He's the best midfielder in the world. Yeah, I for don't me, think the there's any question the about that. I no. think you know, in terms of best players in the world, you know, like I said, outside of um, your Messi, Ronaldo, and Bappe, you're then probably talking De Bruyne, Van Dijk. You know that. Those sort of players, Harlan, yeah. uh, Neymar. Um, I mean, I'm saying Neymar. I don't. I personally don't think he's a well, but, <laughs> but De, De Bruyne. I, he's for me. He's probably the perfect mix of a play, of a couple of players. He's got the passing range of a Perlo. He's got the skills and ability to uh, beat a player like a Zidane. A touch like Zidane, and you're probably talking there two of the best midfielders that's, that's of a generation. You can give that's, that's um, one of the highest praise you can give. You life. you mentioned Scholes and Gerrard. He can pass a ball as good as them, if not better. Um, he scores the odd goals. Well, his vision's incredible. The only thing that's missing off his CV really is a Champions League and an international tournament win. Both of which he could, he probably has a as good a chance this season to get both of them as he probably ever will. Is, is that literally the only thing the man's missing? The top accolades of a Champions League, a European Championship, and a World Cup. Yeah, um, Belgium will be one of the favourites, especially going into the Euros. That we saw them uh, against England in the Nations League uh, the other month, and you know, they they were brilliant then. Uh, they hit Belarus for eight the other weekend. I know, I know, I know it's Belarus. I know De Bruyne didn't particularly play a massive part in that game, but that you know, that's the quality of, of Belgium overall. Um, as for the Champions League, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I didn't really give Borussia Dortmund a prayer at the Etihad, and they put in a very, very good shift. City winning in the 90th minute. Um, and that'll be interesting just because they have quite frankly, blown it over the last few years at the quarterfinal stage where they should have gone further. So that would be very interesting from a mental perspective for Manchester City. But, you know, you've listed the prizes yourself. It's pretty much all he's missing. And then you've got the mo- one of the most complete players. At Chelsea, it was one of them, you know, did he get an opportunity? Could he have developed that much if he hadn't played in Germany? We, we will never know. But he is... Just absolutely ridiculous. He grabs the game by the scruff of the neck 
as well. I'm thinking Chelsea a couple of years ago where he burst onto his left foot and buried one um, in uh, in the bottom corner. Um, even last even last season when they lost to Leon, he was the one that was trying to drag them through the game. Yeah, you know, when when he equalised, the you know, he just makes players around him better as well because I think I think the likes of Phil Foden will learn an awful lot from him. To be honest with you. Uh, and when you play with players like <laughs> it's easy to sort of learn from from their talents. But it's uh, I, when I got the notification through about his contract extension the other day, regardless of the fact he's 29, this was my reaction. Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, that's just how good he is. And on on that, then finally to wrap up on De Bruyne, if City don't make a um, a headline signing in in the summer, for example, is ensuring that De Bruyne is there for a couple of seasons more as good as signing an, another player. That that could be the business done for the summer because they have secured, like we've basically said, the best midfielder in the world. I was I was actually going to say I'm going to answer your question with a question: Who could they sign that's better than him with your left? Exactly. I don't think you can. I think the only one who comes close, we saw it a bit for for Real, uh, Tony Kroos, but he's all. I think is he older? Yeah, he's 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 somehow only thirty one. <laughs> he's been. A, uh, all I, I would I, I say know, is yeah. if they they play together, you'd never get the oh, ball. My <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I know this is uh, I know this is prem talk, but uh, yeah, t- Tony Kroos is one of the best midfielders I've ever seen and maybe will ever see and as you say if you put De Bruyne alongside him you probably never lose a game <laughs> you certainly never lose the ball uh, but yeah so keeping De Bruyne will help sign other players of course it will um, and you know Pep is saying about not signing a striker I'm, I'm not believing that a striker isn't on his radar considering Aguero is going to leave and that will leave them very threadbare in that um, situation. Even though we've seen De Bruyne playing as a false nine, and again, that's a, that's a string that he's adding to his bow. But, he's been brilliant yeah. when he's played that. I remember, um, didn't he play there in the Bernabeu last season? Yes, and oh, he was the best a, player yeah. on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. What a performance that was from him that night, and for him to, you know, he just looks so comfortable in any crowd, in any scenario, and I, I, I just don't know anything that phases him. He is. One of the most brilliant players the Premier League has seen so far and a fair chance that he will be one of the best players the Premier League has ever seen. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. On to the predictions then. Uh, Starting on Friday night, big game at the bottom. For Fulham, they host Wolves. Chris, can Fulham get the win they so desperately need here? My nil-nil senses are tingling. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Mitrovic, um, I thought he played well against Aston Villa. You know, he was nowhere in Scott Parker's plans really before the international break, and then he scored five and three for Serbia. And to be honest with you, I was having this discussion with my dad watching the game. Scott Parker was forced into a corner because he couldn't, he couldn't not start Mitrovic against Aston Villa because of his form for Serbia. Um, and you know I hate predicting nil-nils, so I'll go 1-0 to Fulham. 
big, big to, win. Yeah, to be fair, that's the scoreline. I thought Fulham defend quite well, don't they? Especially at home. And Wolves don't score an awful lot. Even though Fabio Silva did, did score, and I have been on this podcast and said he's one of the worst signings of the season. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's not quite Joel. He's not quite Joel Linton level, yeah. but uh, 30, <laughs> thirty-five million for someone that had one league goal prior to the season is, is questionable. Yeah. I couldn't hold the ball up against Charlie, uh, but yeah, <laughs> going to go. Uh, going to go one nil to to Fulham. Uh, Saturday sees Manchester City against Leeds. Looks a good game on paper. This it does. Lead, you know, they'll play on the counter. Um, they'll be hoping for maybe a bit of rotation with one with City having one eye on the. The second leg uh, against Borussia Dortmund, which you know, they're not secured for that. Of course, Dortmund have an away goal. Um, should have two away goals, obviously, but that's a, that's a debate. Well, it's not even a debate. That's a story for another day. Um, yeah, just leads his defence. I, I, I mean, you can see it against Sheffield United. That's all you need to know. So uh, I'll go I'll go 3-0 for City. There'll be there'll be a bit of rotation, I think, but I'll go, I'll go 3-0. Yeah, certainly think it'll be a case of well just for last week for example I had three City players in my fantasy team not a single one of them played so Sterling uh, Stones and Cancelo Gundogan Stones Cancelo Gundogan <laughs> so I mean chances are they'll probably play this one uh, but yeah I, I think game um, remember the, the game early on the season was a, was a brilliant game yes I, Leeds played I, very well that day yeah, very well I think City will be more comfortable in this one um They'll probably play the B team, which is still probably title contender on its own. Uh, um, and I'm going to go 2-0 to Manchester City. Liverpool against Villa is the 3pm Saturday kickoff. We've touched on this um, in, a, in a bit more depth. So quick prediction from you, Chris, on this one. 7-0. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a 2-0. I'll take a 2-0. At least Liverpool beat Villa at Anfield after lockdown. So they've got a bit of experience of actually winning against somebody at Anfield. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go 2 0 where that's more hope than expectation. We'll see. Yeah, they, they need a big performance after um, midweek defeat in Madrid just to boost the confidence going into the second leg. And I think despite Villa having um, potentially Grealish back, I do fancy Liverpool to win this. I'm going to go 2 1, though. Uh, Palace, Chelsea. Um, you touched on it earlier. Palace don't score many goals. Chelsea did concede five against a side that. Doesn't score many goals either, but in mitigated circumstances. Will Chelsea respond? I think so. Um, Palace, it was a strange game against Everton because I thought they did, they did quite well going forward. But Gaeta had a had the game of his life. I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant for Tente Gaeta. Um, but I do see Chelsea uh, getting back to the defensive ways. I think Thomas Tuchel, he won't have liked what he saw. Um, at all against West Brom after the red card. And that'll be something that I'd be focusing on this week. It was it was a thriller, I think, last time I played at Selhurst Park. I think it was 3-2, uh, which, which was which was fantastic. And even Benteke chipped in. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll go for Chelsea. Uh, another 2-0 for me. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go 1-0. I uh, don't think it'll be classic. 1-0 Chelsea. Uh, Sunday sees Burnley-Newcastle. This, this is a really big game for both sides. Burnley not safe by any stretch of the imagination. It's going to be a tight, cagey affair this one at Turf Moor, isn't it, really? You can't see anything else. They always put the absolute stinker at 12 o'clock on the Sunday, don't they? 
Because you know everybody respect. else is still in bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, uh, I, I'm really struggling here. Although Chris Wood has scored three goals in three games. Uh, so again, to avoid my nil-nil, my hatred of nil-nils, uh, one-nil Burnley. Yeah, one-nil Burnley. Stinks, doesn't it? One-nil Burnley. Written all over it. Yeah, I, it's, it's a goal either way, job it's it, but yeah, I'm going to go Godzi for... pen or something like that. Yeah, uh, so both going for Burnley 1-0 there. Uh, West Ham Leicester, we've talked this game up. Big game for both. Who's taking the points? Or are they shared, even? I, de- I mean, ooh, in an ideal world, I'd probably want them to be shared, to be honest with you. But for West Ham, we'll, we'll see, because we saw in the first half against Wolves what it was like with our Declan Rice. In this game, we could well see what it's like with our Declan Rice and Mikel Antonio, because that that that's a big that's a big impact. That's a very big impact. Um, Leicester, because he'll play on the counter-attack, I think Madison will come back in. Whether they stick with the Inacho, we'll see. I'll, I'll go Desmond. I'll go Desmond. I'll go to you too. I'm going to make things interesting. I'm going to go for West Ham 2-1. I, I fancy them. That, that'll be very if they tasty. could keep momentum, it could blow it wide open. So that's what yeah. I'm going to go for. Uh, then Spurs against Man United. Is it going to be a 6-1 reverse? <laughs> you wish. Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, this is very interesting. So, Son, Son will start. I think that I think he's nailed to come back in after coming on at half time. Um, I think. <laughs> Part of me is edging toward. Well, is it even edging towards Tottenham? Because I can see United being home and hosed after the first leg against Granada. To be honest with you, so I don't even think they'll need to to worry about the second leg. That's just my opinion. I, th- I think they'll have far too much for Granada. Um, I'll go for another draw. I'll go one-one. I think it's going to be an interesting approach from the managers because if you think Spurs in these types of games at home. Sat back and countered. What do United like to do away? Counter. Yeah. <laughs> you can't counter when the other team doesn't attack. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think United, um, I think, you know, looking at the squad that they take into Granada, it looks like they're going to um, try a, a few different options. I heard Diallo might even get his full debut. So I think United have got so the rye on this one. Hmm? Does that say more about Granada? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I, th- I think United um, are in a better place. Um, I think they're they're doing quite well. And obviously, they're going so well on the road. So yeah, I'm going to go for United two one. Uh, bottom club Sheffield United against mid table Arsenal. As bad as Arsenal were against Liverpool, and as bad as Arsenal are in general. Overall, in my opinion, they'll get three points against Sheffield United. It'll be scrappy, it'll be horrible, um, but I'll go 2 0 Arsenal. Yeah, they're bad, but they're not quite that bad. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one 0 Arsenal. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be anything uh, too flamboyant. Monday sees West Brom against Southampton. Southampton big win for them against Burnley. Obviously, West Brom got that big, big win against. Uh, Chelsea. It's important for them if they're going to give themselves any hope. They've got to back it up and get these three points, haven't they? The baggies. Yeah, the phrase after the Lord Mayor's show comes to mind. But no, I'm going to make a juicy stotty. 
I'm going to make a juicy and go 2 1 West Brom. I agree. I concur. 2 hey! 1. We'll go 2 1. I, I, I mean, I think we we basically relegated them about five weeks ago, but Let's after that result, it's anybody's game that they can get, get this win here. So, yeah, I'm going to go 2 1 to West Brom as well. Uh, I think Southampton are one or two wins away from uh, safety anyway. And of course, I've uh, got that semi final to come. And rounding us off, Brighton against Everton. I thought Brighton played well against United in particular first half. Uh, you touched on it, could easily have had a penalty and a chance Should to get a point. A um, and Everton, points dropped against Palace means it, it's a struggle for them to, to get the top four, but very much in the hunt for Europe. So, big game for both. Which way do you see it going? Well, both teams were unlucky for different reasons you mentioned the the penalty incident uh remarkable with all your you know it's remarkable that someone can look at VAR and not deem that to be a penalty to yeah it's a penalty 100% yeah. penalty um for Everton as a as I said earlier Gaeta had the game of his life um but Richarlison and Cavalooan do you need the shooting practice this week because they could easily and maybe should easily have had a brace each uh I like the way Brighton attack don't particularly like the way Everton defends so much. Uh, I, I, fan, I think Brighton will fancy their chances here. And I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 Brighton. We agree on the winner again. I'm going uh, to go 1-0 Brighton. Brighton keeping a clean sheet. Are you insane? Yeah, why not? <laughs> First time for everything. And rounding off with our usual awards, picks for goal, performance, team and manager. I'll start with manager, Chris. Who you gone for? I've gone for Steve Bruce. Because I thought the way Newcastle approached the game against Tottenham, they put them under pressure early on, deservedly took the lead through Jolinton, should have been in front before that through Dwight Gale. It's not Steve Bruce's fault that his defence's brains melted and parted, and they parted like the Red Sea. Um, at the end of the day, they fought back well. Slightly fortunate to not concede the third just beforehand, but to get the equaliser, it was a very spirited display from Newcastle. And the first sign for a while, because people are saying they haven't been playing for Steve Bruce, it was the first sign for a while, maybe they are, and it was a very, could be a very crucial point. And just the way they attacked the game against Tottenham, I've gone for Steve Bruce. Fair enough. Uh, I've gone for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because I thought he must have said something at halftime to change the way United were going. Because for forty-five minutes, for hairdryer. <laughs> yeah, probably something, something like that definitely happened. Because for forty-five minutes, it looked like um, copy and paste job from Sheffield United. If I'm perfectly honest, I thought it was going that way, but then United came out and were borderline very good second half in. <laughs> in, a, in a quite a large amount of it as well and, and got the job done and I think yeah it was a big big win for them in the circumstances so yeah I'm only going to still shout because he clearly did something at half time to get them to come out um, in the second half the way they did uh, let's go now to team Chris it's got to be West Brom hasn't it yeah regardless of the red card. The reason why I haven't gone for Sam Allardyce, it's funny because the reason why I didn't go for Sam Allardyce was because of the red card. Exactly. Exactly the same. 
But their performance to score five goals at Stamford Bridge, regardless of the red card, it cannot give performance to them. Yeah, purely for the fact that they scored five goals in a game. Regardless of well who you done. are, you score five goals. Well done, goal. Maggies. Yeah, considering it's probably taken five months to score five goals. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we, we agree on West Brom, the performance. Um, who are you going for for the standout performance? The man at the heart of that performance, Matias Pereira. Two goals, two assists, fantastic performance from the Brazilian. And if they are to stay up, he'll play a big part in that. I've gone for Leonel Lingard uh, for his... <laughs> for that. Reinvented. <laughs> Reinvented. It's continuing his form. What you would say, playing like that, Gareth Southgate has to pick him for England. Really? Yeah. You know, whether he's... he's it's, uh, it amazed me Gary Neville didn't have him in the squad. I don't think him or Carragher did. It, mm. it amazed me when they were choosing him on um, Monday Night Football. It amazed me. To be honest yeah. with you, he's the former Englishman. How, how often? How often do we moan about English managers not choosing the players in form going to the major tournaments? Mm. He, he's on fire. Is it six goals in eight games? Yeah, and it's, I think there's only to, one game he's played for. Yeah, he's only played one game where he hasn't contributed either an assist or a goal since he joined. That is stand. incredible. That's that's De Bruyne sort of form you're talking, isn't it? That. <laughs> Kevin Dillingham. <laughs> uh, what about your goal? I'll be honest with you. I've got the results up in front of me just because I'm frantically trying to think of a goal that isn't Jesse Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be honest with you, it is very tough to think yeah, of a... It's Puskas award-winning worthy. He's, he's <laughs> carrying it from his own half, man. Can, oh, can, I don't know. Maybe Danny Ings, maybe Stuart Armstrong. Oh, no, it's got, it's got to be Jesse Lingard, hasn't it? He just ran and ran and ran, and it's a beautiful finish. Yeah, it, like it's I said. Not, yeah, it, it, it's just brilliant. He's carried it three quarters of the pitch, sticking in the net. I, I think that the run... The run does well to take the Wolves defender away, so it almost like opens yeah. up the gap for him to run into. But nevertheless, to control that, to control the ball that distance, beat that many men, and to finish with in such a clinical fashion when yeah. in front of goal. Fair, you see it so play, often Jeff, where proving, proving a lot of people wrong. Yeah. yeah, you see it so often where somebody carries it that far and then blazes it wide, high, or just p rolls it into keeper's gloves to finish it. That's that's what. What makes it such a such a good goal? So, well done, Jesse Lingard. He's keeping it going, and he's I for broke, one are delighted. He's, bro- he's for him. broken me. <laughs> he's broken <laughs> me with my predictions. But yeah, well, well worthy. Well, I think uh, that just about wraps it up for this episode of Prem Talk. My thanks to Chris Coughlin for joining me, Chris Stott, for this episode, and uh, make sure you keep an eye out on the Mash FM website got rugby league predictions coming up for the weekend's challenge cup action and i believe the racing lads are going to be looking at all things entry as well in a podcast so keep your eyes out for that one on our social media platforms and make sure you get in touch if you have anything that you want to say about what we've discussed in this podcast or whatever i'm sure you probably disagree with something so do let us know But all that remains to be said is thanks for listening and catch you very soon.